I love Christmas. How, how fun is this? I love the season. I, 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 hope, I hope you do too. Uh, this time of year, we have an incredible Christmas opportunity, and I, and, I, and I hope that you can take advantage of that this year. The opportunity that the Christmas season are, uh, affords us where we, people are open to hearing. that Everybody loves a carol concert, except for that one person. But, but most people love, love carols, and so just sign up, bring people to the carol concerts, and let them hear the message of Jesus in this environment. Um, the, the watch night service, people are like, what, church at midnight? It's terrible at 6.30 or whatever, but, but, but midnight, that sounds great. Let's do that. I don't know. People in the church maybe don't feel that way, but outside the church, yeah, midnight church, let's do that. And people are open to, to these kinds of things this time of year, and I just encourage you to take advantage of, of the Christmas opportunity. We design things to, to, uh, to take advantage of that around here and to move people from here to to thinking about Jesus and then ultimately ideally going into alpha in in the new year but anyways it's it's that season the story of Jesus is in the air we're, we're thinking about Jesus there's there's music going on in in malls and all that kind of stuff nativity sets I encourage you to take advantage of the Christmas opportunity the, the opportunity here for the next couple weeks leading up to Christmas we we go through Advent and and basically Advent is um, oh what is Advent Advent I had to look it up I'm I'm, a, I'm you know I'm I'm young I don't know what Advent is who, who we, I know what we how we celebrate it you're like he's not young uh, or Advent is is about the arrival of a notable person that's that's the old meaning of the word Advent and the arrival of a notable person so all around the world you've got you've got churches that set aside the four weeks leading up to Christmas to celebrate the arrival of the notable person Jesus and and there's four themes sometimes they're in different orders depending on the church and or depending on the year but ultimately the four themes are consistently hope love joy Peace, but I think we're celebrating it in, yeah, hope, love, joy, peace. And so each week we're going to light a candle and we're going to focus on each one of these themes. So the first week here is, is hope. We're going we're to start with the theme of, of hope. And specifically what we're going to talk about tonight is the power of living with well-placed hope. The power of living with well-placed hope. And again, to be clear, we're not talking about just hope as in I hope something happens. I, 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 I wish that this would happen to me. I wish I would win the lottery without even buying a ticket, things like that. And we're not talking about just like I wish. We're talking about well-placed hope. And well-placed hope is anchored in the promises of God. Things, the solid promises of God. And those promises will ultimately not disappoint us. Now I say ultimately because maybe you feel like God has made promises or he's spoken things over your life and you expected it this last year or even three years ago and it hasn't happened yet and, and, and you're, you're feeling disappointed and you're like, well, I, my hope was in the wrong place. Maybe it was in the wrong timing, but, what, but hope in the promises of God is always well-placed and ultimately you won't be disappointed. I'm gonna give you an example, and I wanna give you an example from, I'm gonna call it the Christmas story, although it takes place about 15 months before Jesus was, was born. It, it, the, the story's in Luke chapter one, starting in verse five, and, and basically Luke starts his book saying, look, this stuff that I'm about to tell you is true. I have, I have not just heard it, I have investigated it myself. I've investigated, I've, I've talked to people who were there, and I've, I'm giving you a detailed, reliable account of what happened. And then in verse 5, we, we read this, this story, and, it, and it, it goes like this. 
Uh, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying, was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will be silent and unable to speak. Zip it. Until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Okay, so basically the, the, the quick version of this is Zechariah goes to the temple. He prays. The angel says, your prayers have been heard. And Zechariah doesn't believe it. That's the basic story. And do you know what Zechariah is praying? We know what actually Zechariah was praying because they, they prayed the same prayers year after year. Now, maybe you imagine it like this. Okay, the temple, um, you go to the temple and you're, you're, you're chosen to go in and burn the incense and give the prayers. Um, maybe you're thinking, okay, now that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Maybe. Not everybody even got this opportunity. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so your name is chosen, and you get to go in, and it's not like you get to pray whatever you want to pray. This is my one chance to pray, God, I thank you for my goat and my, my dad's goat and grandma goat, grandma's goat. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't just get a freestyle this. Like, like there are prayers, prescribed prayers that you're, being, that you're going to be praying. And everybody knows what they are. They're the same 18 prayers. They're, they're, they're the same ones. They're being prayed inside the temple with that one priest burning the incense and all the people outside. They're praying the same prayers as well. It's called the Amidah. You can read them online. But basically, these 18 prayers are going through this, this calling and uh, ultimately focusing on Jesus. Now, they, they're not calling him Jesus. They're asking for the renewal of the kingship of David, that, that, that Messiah, that promised one in the line of David. And so you've got these prayers that they're praying through. One of the prayers that they're praying through, uh, according to Ray Vanderlaan, is, is the prayer for the one that needed to come first, the, the one, the, 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 the Elijah, 
the Elijah that was going to come and make a people prepared for the Lord. And so one of the prayers that you, you see Zachariah there, and he's lit the incense, and he's praying, and then the people outside are praying, and, and Zachariah says, send us the one who will prepare in the desert the way for the Lord. And the angel shows up. Your prayers have been heard. You're going to have a son. This is an incredible moment. For send us the one who will prepare in the desert the way of the Lord. Your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. You're going to have a son. Now, let me just back up for a second. So, um, for hundreds of years, basically, they've been praying these same 18 prayers. And actually, they're praying it three times a day. Three times a day. So you start doing the math, hundreds of years, three times a day. Now, they're not praying at all the feast seasons, and, and there's a lot of celebrations and feast seasons, but you, you're talking, these prayers from when they started, these 18 prayers, they've been prayed like hundreds of thousands of times by, by these people, three, three times a day, and, and groups outside praying. This is a major, major prayer. And, and after all this time... You know, maybe Zachariah's father prayed this prayer, and maybe his grandfather, if they were lucky, and then maybe his great-grandfather and his great-great-great-grandfather, generation after generation praying these prayers. And then he's in there. Your prayer's been answered. Your prayer's been heard. You're going to have a son. And he doubts. Now, he's got to know it's an angel, right? He is the, he's the priest. He's the only one allowed in there. There's nobody else in there. And, and of course, he's freaked out. Whoa, I didn't think anybody was here. There wasn't anybody here. It's an angel. Uh, and and there is that, there's that startled moment. But he, he hears the answer, and he doubts that, that this is the case. Why does he doubt? Well, it could, have been, it could be for any number of reasons. Um, maybe, maybe here's three possible reasons. Maybe all of them are true. Maybe he's doubting because... This, he's just praying the same prayer that has been prayed generation after generation. Usually he's outside the temple praying this prayer with a group of people. Yeah, his, for generation after generation, this prayer has been prayed so many years and never been answered before. Why is it going to be answered now, right? After all this time. Maybe he doubts because it just hasn't been answered before, even though they've prayed for so long. Maybe, maybe he doubts because, because there's been so many desperate years before now where they have needed the Messiah to come, where they've needed this, this to happen. In fact, actually, it, it's been way worse in previous generations than it was at this particular moment. I mean, Herod was Herod, but, but, but there was way worse seasons in, in the past, uh, like 166 years previous and all that kind of stuff. And so, so it's like, well... It, if the prayer wasn't answered in those desperate seasons in the past, why would, it be, why would it be answered now? Maybe he's also thinking, I've got personal issues with this. I've got personal pain. The, the angel is, is, is teasing my heart with something that, that hurts. I, I, I want to have kids. I, I've, I've been, me and my wife, we've wanted to have kids for a long time. And, 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 and now he's saying we're going to have kids and, and we're old. And I'm just going to let the angel know. I don't know if you know this, but we're old and people work a little bit differently than that. You know, uh, and so he's, he's in that kind of con conflict there. And it's so much disappointment. And the angel's saying, okay, I know you're disappointed, but, but still you're going to get this. This is going to be true for you. I don't know if you know what that's like. Where, where you pray and you ask, but you're not really expecting God to do anything. You know, that, that's Zechariah. I'm praying these 18 prayers. I'm not really expecting it to be answered. I'm praying them. Faithfully, loyally, 
but not really expecting anything. Hoping without expecting isn't actually hoping. I don't know what that is, but it's not hoping. Hoping without expecting is, is it's, I don't know, is it faux hope? Is it, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's not hope. Hope is connected to expectation. Real hope expects. Real hope anticipates. Real hope trusts, believes. Real hope is anchored into things. This thing that, that Zachariah is doing, his prayer is not prayer, prayed with hope. Because there, there's a zero expectation here. He, he's definitely not expecting this. And even though the angel shows up, he's, he doubts. He's just lost hope. This time of year, Christmas, this time of year is this great call to return to hope, to return to hoping again, to return to, hope, to, to, to bring our disappointments before God from this past year, and to, and to remember that because our prayers maybe weren't answered this year as we had hoped, it doesn't mean that they won't be in the future. Just because it hasn't in the past, like Zechariah, it doesn't mean they won't be in the future. It's a, to, it's a call to return to hope. It's a call to remember, to remember that, that God is real and actually he does hear prayers and he answers prayers. And, and, and maybe it hasn't gone as fast or quickly as you'd, you'd wanted it to, but, but with God, the past doesn't, when it comes to answered prayer, the past doesn't predict the future. So the temptation is to think, okay, yesterday God did not answer this prayer. This last year, God did not answer this prayer. And so, that probably means in the future, he won't answer my prayers. That is not true. The past does not predict the future when it comes to answered prayers. They're disconnected. They're disconnected. Expectant hope, if you have expected hope and your hope is rightly anchored in the promises of God, the words of God, if, if you're... If you're if you're anchored rightly, the well-placed hope faces disappointment. Okay, it didn't happen last year, but moves into the next year not with less expectation because it didn't happen. Now it probably won't. But with more expectation because if God is going to keep his word, if God is going to fulfill his promises to me and it didn't happen last year, then I'm one year closer and this time of year is just kind of that reminder time where we're like, okay, we, we, we've, we didn't get what we, what we were expecting last year. This promise didn't happen. So I am going to say, Jesus, here's my disappointment. I wish it would have happened by now. Moving forward, though, I'm moving forward with faith and hope again. I'm not letting my disappointment steal away my hope. Now, I just, just want to clarify. We're not talking about prayer requests just like I would like a pony uh, for my birthday, no, I, I don't want a pony for my, but, but it's not just like prayer requests like this. We're, we're talking about things specifically anchored in the promises of God. So I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about hope, and I've been thinking about this time of year, and, and hope is a bit of an abstract concept maybe for some of you, but it comes with some significant perks, and, and actually, if you have hope, you, you have a few other things that come with it that you definitely want. And, and if you don't have these three things, you can ask yourself, do I actually have hope or do I have faux hope or fake hope? Do I pretend that I have hope? 
And I, I got these by looking at the, I was looking at the Psalms. In the morning, I was going through the Psalms this week, kind of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, that, that kind of era. area. And, and these things just kept jumping out at me. And I, I really don't like to think about messages while I'm um, reading the Bible. That doesn't sound good. Uh, while I'm reading the Bible for myself and, and just spending alone time with Jesus. Um, but I couldn't get past this one, and so I took a few notes about hope specifically. And what I saw in the Psalms, first of all, is that expectant hope cultivates a peace-filled heart. Expectant hope cultivates a peace-filled heart. No matter the disappointments, no matter the challenges that we're in, I would read the Psalms and I'd read about these guys who were living awful lives. In their, their context, betrayal and, and people trying to kill them and, and just off evil situations and and I would discover that these guys because their hope was rightly placed in God they were able to find peace and, and you see David in Psalm 62 and, and and he's writing along and he would write something like this he says my soul finds rest in God alone not in my context not in how this year has been not in my fiscal situation, not in the, my life, whatever, in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. And then he goes on and he, and he speaks to his soul. He commands his soul. He says, he says, rest in God alone, my soul. Don't put your search for peace anywhere else. Put it anchored into God. My soul, rest in God alone, my soul, for, he says, my hope comes from him. For my hope comes from him. Rightly placed hope, again, it's not this vague wish thrown on emptiness. Rightly placed hope is thrown in and anchored in God and who he is, what is like, that he can be trusted. He can be trusted. You can trust God and find peace. Why? Because God cares. Because God's paying attention. Because God actually helps people. Because he helps people. And, and, the, and the psalmist, that you see it several times in the psalms. Someone says, you know, God is my helper. Or, or God, is, God, is going, God will help me. God helps people. And, and so, much of our, so much of our fear is that God will do nothing. Whereas the Bible describes an active God, an intervening God, a God who cares about you, who is paying attention, and who, who does stuff. Who helps. Who helps. We don't have to... We don't have to look at our future as if God's not going to intervene. We can look at our future as if God, God is real and that he helps, that he's going to keep all his promises and he's going to watch over us, that he feels about us how the Bible says he feels about us, that he loves us. Hope expects the help of God and, and that cultivates, it cultivates peace. You see that in the Psalms. The other thing you see in the Psalms is Expectant hope cultivates a joy-filled heart. Expectant hope cultivates a joy-filled heart. When the angel talks to Zechariah about how this prayer is being answered, and then he says, John is going to bring joy to you, uh, delight to you. And for, and for many people, the result of this answer prayer is going to be joy and delight. Expectant hope lifts our eyes out of the misery of the moment. To anticipate when God does what he says he's going to do. It lifts our eyes out of the misery of the moment to look at the moment when God is 
Think about the moment when God is going to, when he does what he's going to do. It's about anticipation. And we need to talk about this for a second because some of you have an anti-hope coping strategy for the disappointments of life. Actually, a hope, a hope crushing strategy. And you think it's clever. It's not clever. It's what people do is they, they guard their heart. They guard their heart and they want to protect themselves from pain and disappointment. And so they guard it and they don't anticipate God's help. And they don't look forward to that day when God answers their prayer. Instead, they want to protect themselves from disappointment. So they guard their heart and thus they forbid hope from having its impact. That's not the hopeful way. That's not the hopeful way. We're, we're called to hope, to trust, to trust. It, 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 when, we, when we live with hope, we can live with that powerful expectation that brings joy no matter what our circumstances is. The psalmist in Psalm 30 writes, weeping may last for the night. I might be weeping now. Weeping my life lasts for the night, but there is joy in the morning. That's about anticipating the joy that is to come, about thinking about it, being mindful of it. In Psalm 56, David is writing and about how he's just oppressed. He's just being oppressed all all day long and his situation is awful his right now context is awful and, and he writes you know God be gracious to me he says be gracious to me God for for a man is trampling me trampling me he fights and he opposes me all day long my adversaries trample me all day for many arrogantly fight against me and I don't know if you ever feel that way like you're just being trampled you're just being trampled like you're just being uh, stomped down uh, oppressed all all day and, and, and David's writing about this, how he feels. And, and he feels, he's not enjoying this in this moment. And he says to God, you have recorded my misery. You know, God, I know that you've seen my misery. You've recorded my misery. And then this amazing line, put my tears in your bottle. Catch my tears. Look at them. Keep them. I am in anguish. I am in misery. Put my tears in your bottle. And, and when you're in that space where he's being trampled on and misery and all that kind of stuff, how does he move from there to joy in that context whilst living in that context? Well, it's about anticipating God's help. It's about anticipating what God is going to do. It's about putting his hope in God. And, and he doesn't have a prophetic word at this moment saying, this is what God is going to do for me. But he anchors his hope in, not in what God promises he will do, but in who God is in what God is like, and what he says, and where he anchors his hope, which is going to lead him to have joy in the most miserable of circumstances, is he, he just writes this simple line. He says, I, this I know. God is for me. Full stop. I, my, I've got all this misery. I've got all this opposition. I'm being trampled. But this I know, God is for me. It's the anchoring of your hope in the character and the truth of what we know God is like that can, that can give us hope even in the difficult situations. Do you know that God is for you? If you've given your life to Jesus, if you're seeking to walk in his ways, God is for you. Now, if you're off track, good news. You can repent and get back on track. 
If, you, if you've never even tried to follow God, if you've never dedicated your life to following God, good news, you can get your life, you can repent and get back, on, get onto God's way and, and God's plans and purpose for your, for your life. And you can, and you can enjoy the, the benefit of God being for you and with you and, and helping you and strong and protecting you and all those good things. There is hope for all who trust God. He is for those who trust him. Knowing and believing that we can have genuine joy in oppressive days because God is with us and for us. Expectant hope cultivates a joy-filled heart. Trust God, find joy. Third one that I saw in the Psalms is expectant hope cultivates a resilient endurance. And I guess in, if I was rewriting this message when I was preaching this, one of the services today, I realized, oh, you know, it would be better if I would have said peace. <laughs> you know, you got love. No, I didn't say love. I said joy. I said um, whatever I said, hope, joy, no, peace. What was the first one? Peace. I just need to look at this. Yeah. And so what I should have said was patience here. I should have said patience. But actually, this is a little bit more accurate. Expectant hope cultivates a patient resilient endurance for for the one of you writing these down uh, <laughs> patient resilient endurance uh, maybe you've asked yourself the question this year how can i keep going i i just can't i can't keep going maybe, maybe you've felt that way well-placed expectant hope placing your hope in a god who really does save who really does rescue people, that's where you, you got to anchor yourself. Uh, Psalm 46. Psalm 46 begins, God is our refuge. Again, anchoring into the character of God. God is our refuge and strength. This is what God is like. A helper. Again, what is God like? He helps. Who is always found in times of trouble always found in times of trouble therefore i will not be afraid we, we keep going with that expectant hope that that we follow a god who is strong who helps who is always found in times of trouble in psalm 69 again david's in a very difficult place he seems to be there quite often and 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 he's there and he says he says in psalm 69 save me god and then this isn't literal this is, he's, he's describing how he feels, and I think that maybe some of you have felt that way before. He says, save me for the water has risen to my neck. He says, I've sunk deep in, the, in mud and, and there's no footing. I have come into deep water and the f a flood sweeps over me. He says, I'm weary from crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. I am so overwhelmed by life. I am looking for God to show up with all of my intense energy. Where is God? Where is he for me? Where, now, where, where is he? I, I'm, I'm worn out trying to look to see if God's coming. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? And you know what? He's, he, in this moment, he's not blaming other people for his, for his bad moment here, for his troubles. He knows that he's made mistakes. And in verse 5 in that same psalm, he says, God, you know my foolishness. My guilty acts are not hidden from you. Maybe you, you find yourself, you're in an awful place and you're, you're troubled and, and you're like, actually, it's my own fault. <laughs> I've, I've, I've 
brought my, I've made some bad decisions. I did this, I did that, and, and, and I, this is really a mess of my own making. Does God, does God help people who make their own messes? Who aren't just victims, but who are foolish and, and have done wrong things? Well, what I love about, I, what I love about this is like, the answer is yes. Those who call out to him and repent and say, I, I, I messed up. There, there's hope for them and for their future. David goes on and he says, but as for me, poor and in pain, God, let your salvation protect me. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm result, I've, I've got myself in this, but let your salvation protect me. Skipping down. And he commands people to follow his example. He says, you who seek God, take heart. Take heart for the Lord listens to the needy and does not despise his own. He does not despise his own. Even if they get in their own messes. Even if, they, even if they're, they're causing He listens to those who need. And that's where you can find hope. You, in, the, in the listening God. The listening God. The loving God. Who, the caring God. How do we find strength to not give up? To keep going in painful days? Putting our hope in the God who hears. The God who sees. The God who really does rescue and help. Just because your season might have been awful, uh, you can keep going. You can keep going as you keep trusting in God. As you keep trusting in God. Christmas... Christmas is, Christmas is a time to celebrate the, the, the birth of Jesus, the, the Savior of the world, to, to, to gather, to, to, to just enjoy the fulfillment of, of God's promise. And we remember that for hundreds of years, thousands of years, people waited and waited for God to do what he promised, to send his son Jesus. And even though they waited for thousands of years, God was faithful to keep his promises. And we remember in this time, God keeps his promises no, no matter how long we need to wait. He sent his son Jesus. He will be to us all that he says he is. And he will keep his promises to us. Their waiting for God was not in vain. It was well-placed anticipation. Just as Jesus was born as promised, you can enjoy peace in painful days as you put your hope in God. You can enjoy joy in oppressive days as you keep your trust in God. You can be resilient in times of trouble because Jesus is real and God keeps his promises. Now, if you find yourself and you're like, you know, I don't have peace in my life. I don't have joy in my life. I think about giving up every day. Maybe, I'm not saying this is it, but maybe there's, also, there's a hope issue going on here. Maybe you don't have any hope. And, and you want to readdress that, friends. Like, why do I not have hope? Do I genuinely not hope in God? Like, I know that that's the right answer, but functionally, do I have hope that God sees me? Do I have hope that God cares for me, like the Bible says? Do I have hope that he will genuinely help me, that he will be found in times of trouble like he always is? If you're struggling with peace and, and joy and all those things, go back and ask yourself the questions about hope. And let's rebuild. Because placing your life and your hope in God, it's well-placed. Stop guarding your heart and instead dive into hope.
with, with, with all my heart, I want to see God's goodness pour over you guys in this season. I want to see God's blessing, his help, his help to, to, to pour over you. And, and next when, I meet, when we meet, I want to hear all about God's help, how he's helped you. I want to hear about the blessings that he's pouring over. I want to hear about the answered prayers. I'd love that, that Karen to be, be stuffed full and, and overflowing. And I won't even be able to see it because it's like a mountain of rocks that the neighbors complain. They'll complain about anything. But why not, why not, why not complain about answered, uh, answered prayers? Just kidding, uh, neighbors who are listening. Uh, but if you're here and you're a neighbor, bless you. I'm glad you're here. And I know you love this church. I'm talking about the other neighbors. Anyways, if you're streaming, hey. Uh, family, you're loved. You're loved. And, and because of Jesus, I want you to know there really is hope for you and your future. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray a specific verse over you as, as we get uh, wrap up here. And I want to pray the verse Romans 15, 13. It's, it's one of Paul's prayers. And, and the words in Romans 15, 13, which I'll tell you, and then I'll, and then I'll pray it over you, is, is this. And it basically captures what we're talking about today. Paul prays, now may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace. Again, Paul is connecting this back to, to hope. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe or as you trust. As you believe, as you trust You've you got to believe, you've got to trust in order to be filled with all peace and, and joy, all joy and all peace. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray that for you. Why don't you stand with me?